Essence of Tea, Episode 29. Welcome! You are listening to the Essence of Tea podcast, where we share about the world of tea with you. From tea tastings to tea history and culture to tea education, health, and wellness, the Essence of Tea is your tea companion through your personal transformation and growth. I'm your host, Jenny Jie. Now let's get started. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me and taking the time to join me here on the Essence of Tea podcast. For those of you who are just joining in right now, I welcome you. I would like for you to let me know where you're watching from, what you are drinking, what cup you're drinking right now, or maybe it's pretty late at night wherever you are around the world. We've got Amy who's already joined us here on Clubhouse. So today's going to be a very special episode because this is the first time I've done an uh, clubhouse room. So for those of you watching on um, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you're watching from right now live, go ahead and look in the link right now. We have Amy in the clubhouse room. If you have clubhouse, you know what that is. And you can find my handle, which is at Jenny. And then my last name is T-S-E. So if you have any questions at all, write them down below. And we're going to talk about tea today. We're going to do a quick clubhouse on tea. And there's not that many clubhouse rooms on tea. So, um, Amy, if you are interested in joining on the stage, feel free to raise your hand. I'll bring you onto the stage. But, um, yeah, we've got so many people here who are just popping in right now, learning more about tea. So, Feel free, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, write down your questions below, and I would love to cover them. Right now, it's the month of March, right? And there's a lot of changes happening. I can't believe it's been like a whole year of COVID. That's just insane. Things have definitely pivoted around the world and changed for a lot of us in business, in home, and in life. But one thing that's been around for over 4,000 years is actually tea. So if you're interested in learning more about tea, talking about tea, definitely follow me. Hit the follow button for at Jenny TSE. That is my name in Clubhouse. And we would love to start a club about tea and talking about tea. So, Amy, if you have any questions at all, feel free to come up on the stage. If any of you are watching right now and have no idea what's going on, we are doing an episode on Clubhouse. Now, Clubhouse, what is it? It's a new... um, It is a new platform for social media where people can interact real time, voice to voice. Hey, Emily, you want to introduce yourself and and let us know a little about yourself, if you like? Hi, I'm Amy. I, um, well, let's see, I start my mornings with herb tea and or a tisane, and then I switch to black tea a little later in the day. And I'm on my second pot of black tea right now. Wow. Awesome. One thing that we love to hear about on the Essence of Tea podcast and in our groups in general here at Sipping Streams Tea Company, because of our mission, is people's stories about tea. So, Amy, do you want to explain a little bit? I mean, I'm, I am kind of putting you on the spot since you are on the stage right now. Would you like to share a little bit about yourself and how you even got into tea? Because I personally was not a tea drinker originally. I mean, I might be Chinese, but I did not growing grow up drinking tea at all. Well, that's interesting. Uh, so my dad grew up drink. I mean, I grew up in a house where my dad drank black tea. He drank Lipton's tea. <laughs> <his whole> life. <laughs> and uh, so I was just kind of around that. 
And I was, I've never really been a coffee drinker. I think maybe I, you know, I actually like the taste of coffee just fine, but, um, but I've always just liked the flavor of tea. And as I've gotten older, I've just kind of experimented more with different varieties. And, you know, when I have the budget, I'll go to a tea room like yours and experiment with, um, you know, delicious different kinds of teas. Right now, like I said, I drink an herb tea in the morning and it's a blend that I put together myself a little bit starting last year when I was trying to stay healthy during the pandemic. It's Tulsi and nettle and thyme and some hibiscus. Oh, awesome. So yeah, I'm kind of the same as you. I actually like the flavor of coffee. I drink, well, I grew up since I was five years old drinking black coffee. I, I do drink my ca- coffee mm. black. <laughs> and maybe it's also because I'm lactose intolerant that I just never, mm-hmm. like the flavor of milk reminded me of a tummy ache. But um, yeah, and and so I don't mind the flavor of coffee, but most people know me as a tea business owner and so knowledgeable about tea. So they think I only drink tea. They're like, oh, we don't talk about the other thing. I'm like, oh, that's OK. I mean, you know, everyone has their own thing. So, um, oh, yeah, I can get really nerdy about coffee, too. And I agree that I mean, I also drink it black um, because I'm interested in the flavor more than anything else and like more than the buzz and stuff. But also also a little lactose intolerant. I've never put milk in my tea even though, you know, I guess it's pretty traditional with black tea. Yeah, right now with green is my favorite color. So our company colors are green and blue, but green is my favorite color. So right now I'm drinking a um, almond milk with um, matcha in my new big froth labs frother that I've been showing lots of videos on Instagram. Oh, if any of you are watching right now on um, uh, Periscope, Twitter, um, Facebook, all those places, if you go into our clubhouse room right now, it's Tea Talk with Sipping Streams, and this is recorded, so hope you know that, Amy, I put that in the title, um, that you can click on Amy's profile and my profile, and you can follow and like us on Instagram, too. I think, Amy, are you on Instagram? Uh-huh, yeah. And then, Amy, yeah, tell, every, tell everybody what you do and who you are also, because I don't think people, well, if you're not in clubhouse right now, which it's only the two of us in this clubhouse room, but the rest of you listening all over the world on those other social media platforms, Amy, what do you do? You have a very interesting, fascinating job. Well, I'm a publisher. I publish a magazine about food called Edible Alaska. And actually, um, truth be told, I got this clubhouse invitation because of Jenny. So thank you for that. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's really fun to see see that you had opened the club today. I was like, oh, I have a minute. I'll come say hi. Yeah. yeah so I, I talk about food all the time. It's a quarterly print magazine. I have a co-publisher and uh, we write articles about food and drink in the state of Alaska. Yeah. And there was recently a statistic um, on the Small Business Administration or a Small Business Development or SBDC development center did you see that that instagram post about the beverage industry of alaska yes yeah and so yeah they used some of our data for that um which they got from our winter drinks issue and it's just about alaska distilleries and how many distilleries in alaska use alaska ingredients you know i mean um artisan small distilleries are pretty popular right now all over the country um and some places where they pop up you know they have access to the ingredients that um you know we go into making alcohol and in alaska that's a lot harder we don't really grow a lot of grain here um 
And yet there are still a bunch of distilleries who are, you know, making use of what ingredients we have. There's some like one up in Fairbanks, um, Arctic Harvest, which is they call it field to bottle. Um, so they're growing the grain themselves and doing everything to make wow. those uh, Alaska beverages. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of work. I mean, even harvesting tea is a lot of work. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, there's a distillery, Ursa Major, who just started using um, one of our award-winning black teas for their, it's like this Thai tea or like a Thai spicy, spicy Thai um, cocktail. So it's like an iced tea cocktail and, and they infuse it. Yeah. So I was like, I was really blown away that they even reached out to me because we've been working with places like Hoodoo Brewery, Black Spruce Brewery, and, you know, selling them some of our teas or our herbs or whatever. And they've been experimenting and making beer with, with our ingredients for the past few years. But out of the blue, someone's like, you should go to sipping streams if you're going to make a hard iced tea. Uh (laughs) And so I was like, Oh, great. You know, one of the things that interested me first about your business, Jenny, if I can turn the tables and interview you a little bit, is the fact that you use a lot of Alaska ingredients. Do you want to tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, so I actually, since I was a little kid, um, like we're we're a family of first-generation Americans, so I'm first-generation. I was born in Hong Kong, and my grandmother, my mom's mom, was kind of like the local countryside medicine woman. My mom told me all sorts of gross stories of weird things that she had to put on her skin or eat, like bugs or mud type of thing for like Chinese medicine because they were really poor and they lived in the rural side of Hong Kong when it was like, you know, not like we know it today, like New York City and London and Paris. This was like way before um, it blew up in um, capitalism. So... So my mom like was really used to picking like different herbs and things like that. And then her mother would make them into different tinctures, into medications, into weird whatever things. And people would go to her. So fast forward to Alaska. My mom was looking for a side hustle. So we used to collect aluminum cans to recycle. And my mom did some housekeeping. And then my parents still had they were starting their restaurant, actually. So my mom was doing all these different side hustles while she was raising three kids. You know, one of them was special needs. And she'd say, hey, Jenny and Michelle, my sister is Michelle. She's younger than me. Do you want to go out and and help grandma and me? We're going to go pick flowers. We're like, oh, okay." So I'm thinking we're picking flowers. Well, no, my sister thought we were picking flowers. I'm more competitive. I'm like, how many flowers can I pick (laughs) in an hour? So we used to pick yarrow, mostly yarrow um, on on the side of the road. And we would not like right on the side of the road, but, you know, we'd clean them and we'd sun dry them and things like that. And we'd actually sell them to other Alaskan tea companies. Then after my other two careers, I got into tea just because I was interested in the health benefits. And then someone was like, Jenny, you should make some local teas with our botanicals here in Alaska. And I was like, what? Because, you know, I was specializing in like green tea from China or things like that. Like I traveled around the world and I worked directly with the growers and I would import my own teas. So after my second or third year in business, I was like, oh, mom, hey, remember when we used to go and pick flowers and stuff for people for their teas? Do you want to do this, too? And she's like, OK, sure. And so we did the same methods of what we used to do. So like our whole front yard was full of fireweed flowers and fireweed leaves. So that was like the first thing I knew a lot of people wanted was fireweed because of the Russian influence 
right? There's like that Russian fireweed tea. And so we didn't roll it like that. My experience is working at a tea farm. So what you do is you sun wither them and you rotate them. And so we processed our fireweed just like a white tea you would do. And my mom and I love berry picking just like many Alaskans do. And the thing about using a fruit botanical is that you have to dry it really fast. Otherwise, it will molt. And we can't use frozen berries because when they freeze, the water molecules break the cellular membrane that keeps gives it the structure. That's why it makes jam really easily, right? Because it mushes. <laughs> so with all the berries, so we started picking low bush cranberries and blueberries, and we started drying them, and we had to create our own big metal dehydrator. Like it's like six, seven feet tall, because we just couldn't dry them fast enough. So we made our own commercial grade dryer um, to dry well, the first time we did the fireweed, we did them on tarps, like big, big, clean, you know, sanitized tarps in the sun. If the, it started to rain, we would have to bring an easy up tent over it, just literally just like they do in China. <laughs> and then with the berries, we were using regular dehydrators that you could just buy at the grocery store, but we couldn't dry enough fast enough. And we didn't want them to go bad. So we started creating our own commercial grade dryers. So some things that we use are like fireweed, yarrow, um, clover flower. Have you ever had clover flower, just eaten a dry clover flower? Oh my God. I love clover. And actually I love clover tea. It makes a wonderful iced tea too. Yeah. And it's really great for people who have, are on like going through menopause too. Did you know that? Yeah. It's good for ladies. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, m- mothers too. I used to make this blend when I worked for a, uh, a a food company in Seattle many years ago. We called it Mama Tea, and it had clover and nettle, and oh, I think it might have had um, oh, raspberry, raspberry too. leaf. It was, it was pretty good for for new moms. I think was kind of the idea we were going for there. <laughs> yeah, and we're working with some companies. I love hearing about your uh, your um, your wild harvesting, though. What what part? What percentage of your business is that these days? Oh, it's pretty well this past year. Okay. So 2020, it was like a really wet year in the Fairbanks area, the Tana Valley, like really, really wet. There's hardly any fireweed that grew here at all. Um, but the year before 2019, we had like an overabundance, like, like way too much. Like one of our packing rooms, I think was literally like stuffed all the way. Like we couldn't dry enough botanicals fast enough. And I was like, we, we can't, we can't take any more in. Like, I, I don't know how we'll get through this, which is a blessing in disguise because our botanicals rolled over to actually make up for enough that we needed in 2020. So I don't know if you knew that other places in the state, the weather was different. But for us, it was a very strange summer. It was way too wet. Like it just felt like monsoon season, like for the whole summer. So we had enough saved up. Oh, and we also work with peony growers too, peony flower growers. And so we get a bunch of like from the organic farms of their uh, flower petals because I mean, they keep composting them, but their pile gets bigger, right? Because they can't sell them to overseas, you know, floral shops or whatever, because the flower is already starting to open. 
Like they're not perfect oh. for shipping. So we use the peony flowers also for it. So, but our percentage, to be honest with you, our percentage of what we use for Alaskan botanicals is extremely tiny. It's a tiny sliver of our business. I don't even think it's 5%, honestly. Like they're- well, That makes sense. It would be so hard to wild harvest enough. You know, I just, just quantity wise. I mean, it's a very special- item. I, but yeah. This summer, I started doing something I call reverse foraging. I, I started putting uh, wild plants into my yard, hoping they would grow. So I don't have to go as far to get them. So I tried planting yarrow and nettle and fireweed. And I can't remember what else, but we'll have to, oh, roses. We'll see what takes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And it's so crazy because sometimes it's like when you're trying to garden that stuff and I say garden because we're going in and putting in the seeds ourselves. Sometimes they don't like it because they like that roughed up, you know, disturbed soil, which is just so crazy. And like roses really like a dense foliage um, area, just kind of like rose. I mean, uh, raspberries, like raspberry bushes and roses, those type of prickly plants they like being crammed and then other plants don't like you know that too much crammed moisture yeah it's interesting i don't have super high hopes but <laughs> it was worth a try not not much, not much to lose i can always just go down the roadside and forage them again what do you think about the rhubarb industry in alaska though rhubarb grows like oh. weeds i don't know if it does anywhere else in the lower 48 but what do you think about rhubarb and using rhubarb in Alaska? I, I think rhubarb is amazing. And I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't really consume rhubarb as a food until I got to Alaska, even though it's, a, it's grows, it's habituated all over North America, right? Mm -hmm. Everywhere you can get rhubarb pretty much except the hot South. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, and so, but so there's rhubarb where I grew up in upstate New York in the Northeast. But it just wasn't a thing that, you know, my family used all that much. And here it's just so much everywhere. It's like, I guess it's like the way zucchini is, you know, <laughs> in the lower 48. Everybody has so much rhubarb, they're trying to get rid of it. And I think it's delicious. I really like the tart things. So, yeah, I, 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 that's another thing I've been working on expanding in my yard. And I don't know, commercially, I mean, I know of small, um, you know, artisan ice cream businesses that use rhubarb. And I don't, do you ever dry it and use it in tea? Oh yeah, I've experimented with that. Yeah, I have experimented with it. It wasn't as sour as I thought it would be. Like you'd have to use a lot of rhubarb to really bring out that tartness. And I thought if it was dried, it'd be even tarter because it's concentrated. Like anytime you dehydrate something, it ends up being a seventh of the weight that it originally was. And so it usually is more impactful, like very densely flavored. And I was like, hmm, it's okay. I mean, yeah, it just somehow lost it. And it could be the vitality or the, the volatility of the oils going through a dehydration process. So maybe if it was flash frozen, maybe it would stay more intact, the flavor. Yeah, it's interesting because it's really, really, really tannic, like almost toxically so. <laughs> so in that way, it, it relates to tea. <laughs> but, yeah, I was. But, the, um, that's why I was curious what you thought about the the rhubarb industry of Alaska, because it seems like so many people have rhubarb growing somewhere, like on their property, because it's like a weed. But mm -hmm. and it can survive almost anything. But then it doesn't seem like a lot of people utilize it as much as they could other than for private use. 
Well, like I said, I know a bunch of small businesses that restaurants will use it during season. And, mm-hmm. um, but I have not heard of anybody commercially growing it. And maybe that's because it's a perennial that takes many, many years to establish into big, gorgeous plants. But if you go somewhere where there's like ginormous, uh, have you ever been to Skagway? If you walk oh, down the main streets yet. of Skagway, they have like rhubarb bushes or they're not really bushes, <laughs> plants, but they're as tall as me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We have them here in Fairbanks too. They're like with the neighborhood that I grew in, grew up in, like certain alleys, like we would play as kids and we're like, oh, don't, don't bike too fast by that thing. You're going to fall into the rhubarb bush. Like, <laughs> and yeah, they're, they're crazy, but I didn't realize that they would take that long to grow. I guess, like to be that yeah. big. It, yeah, I think it does take several years. And then like transplanting, ooh, it's tricky. I mean, they like, they don't mind being disturbed and broken up. But if you don't get the right part of the plant, then what you're, you're just going to end up with these sort of straggly rhubarbs instead of big, gorgeous ones. So I, again, it's something I just started last year in my own yard. And I'm going to have to see what happens this year. Awesome. Well, Amy, do you I have a club? I peonies too, and I'm super excited now to know that you can use them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they taste great. They're, yeah, they're beautiful. They're great. There's not many like pesticides or herbicides that are needed to take care of them, and moose don't eat them. So, like, the peony industry is, I mean, huge in Alaska. And so, you know, utilizing the leftover petals is a great idea as long as you know they're not sprayed or anything like that um amy do you use clubhouse for your own club rooms or like what what do you do on clubhouse how do you utilize it not yet i'm super new uh to clubhouse and i'm really happy to see how you are sort of multi-streaming it's very interesting to me that's something i think that i will be able to do in the near future, but I'm really, really impressed, you know, that, that you're going on these different platforms and the fact that you could be live streaming video and being in clubhouse at the same time. I've been watching podcasts where they say, well, after this show, meet us on clubhouse for a discussion, but you're doing it at the same time. And I think that's Oh yeah. Great. There's six people watching right now. Hello, six people on YouTube or Facebook, wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we use a program called StreamYard, if any of you are interested, StreamYard.com, and it multi-streams to a number of private groups or public groups, even LinkedIn, if you can get it LinkedIn approved. Um, And so we do that for our podcast. Like we live record the video, and then the next week we actually, uh, we chop it up and we put it onto our podcast podcast you know that goes to you know spotify stitcher google podcast all those places apple podcast and then i'm just experimenting with clubhouse right now because i've been on clubhouse for several months now but i haven't seen many people talk about alaskan industries and i haven't seen anybody start club rooms on the tea industry like it might be like spill the tea kind of like a gossipy group but i'm like no 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 who's out there who's like interested in learning more about tea and so i'm thinking about for those of you watching right now join us on clubhouse so you can find amy she's the editor of edible alaska um and you know just trying to make better connections with like the food industry or agriculture like for me i work with tea growers and we'll be doing more um podcast interviews with tea growers in Colombia and in Hawaii. And so I don't think they're on Clubhouse yet either. 
but it's so great because you could just turn it on and like walk around your house or go on your treadmill or whatever and listen yeah I, that aspect is really fun well hey. jenny thank you so much i'm gonna have to check out pretty soon but uh, i will i'm sure we'll find you again on all of these platforms yeah well thank you amy for joining us and then also if any of you um are just new to clubhouse you do have to have an uh, iPhone um, and it is connected with your phone number. It is not released for Android yet. I know my husband is like, tell me when it's available for Android because I'll be on Clubhouse. Um, but it's a great resource. If I mean, you can choose to listen to Clubhouse however you want. There's rooms that talk about all sorts of things, politics, makeup, children, pets, health, wellness, whatever it is out there. So Clubhouse is pretty much like a free speech form, I guess, but you can utilize it resourcefully for things that you really want to dive deeper into and get to know other experts that teach on things in real time in a room. And so you're always welcome to friend me or follow me on Clubhouse, which is at Jenny and then my last name, T-S-E. And I would love to do more um, speaking engagements where I can invite you guys onto the stage to ask your questions about tea. So definitely check us out on Clubhouse or check me out on Clubhouse at Jenny. And then last name is T-S-E. So that's J-E-N-N-Y-T-S-E. And we hope to bring other people in the tea industry into these clubs just for you, just another outlet and venue for you to learn more about tea. So thank you, thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you, Sharon, thank you, Amy, all of you guys watching right now. And I just wanted to introduce you to the world of Clubhouse if you haven't heard about it yet, or you're like, what the heck is Clubhouse? I kind of heard about it, I don't have time for that. I've actually been using it to kind of like listen to different business mentors and what they have to say. Now, everyone has a different style. Not everyone you get along with. You know, some people, I just kind of leave the room quietly. We can leave anytime. You don't ever talk out loud. No one ever hears you unless you raise your hand and you're invited on the stage. And then you can talk out loud and ask the, the host or the moderator your questions. So it's a very, very interesting platform to learn more about what you're interested in. And we hope that you follow us along here on social media and feel free to reach out to me at any time if there's another topic that you're interested in learning about, especially if it's about the world of tea. So thank you everyone. Thank you, Amy, Sharon, everyone else who's been on with us here on social media. And we will see you next week for another episode of The Essence of Tea. And just one more thing. We have an absolutely free private Facebook group for people just like you who are interested in learning more about tea. It's called the Sipping Streams Tea Tribe and we go live every week. So go to Facebook and look for the Sipping Streams Tea Tribe and join today.